Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad. I have with me through the miracle of Zoom, Father Joe Rampino of the Diocese of Arlington. Father Rampino, welcome back to Catholic Bites. Thanks, I appreciate it. Great. Well, today, since we're, we're, we're recording this in Lent, but it might come out at Holy Week or at Easter, um, today we're going to talk about the Gospel of John and, and John's understanding of Easter. And as you said before we started recording, John, John gets Easter. John understands yeah. Easter, where we might not understand Easter as well. So, uh, so why, don't, why don't you explain uh, what you mean by that? How does John yeah. understand Easter? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's an experience that I think a lot of Catholics have had. It's certainly one that I've heard from lots of people and one that I've had myself, where Lent makes sense to us. We understand Lent. It's very clearly defined. You start at Ash Wednesday, you go to Easter, and in between, you give something up, you pray more, you give alms, and you focus on the passion and suffering of Jesus. And so much of our devotion is aimed at the passion and, the passion and suffering of Jesus as you know, our spiritual touchstone. Like if somebody wants to pull on your spiritual heartstrings, where do they go? They go right to the cross, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is the image that we tend to use as the thing that um, stimulates good spiritual emotion. Uh, and then we get to Easter and we go, huzzah, I can have the thing that I gave up. Uh, and I guess I'm supposed to feast a little bit. <laughs> and then we wonder what to do for you know the next 50 days of easter until pentecost well i know one thing we should do we should definitely each 50 day each of the 50 days say huzzah uh <laughs> <laughs> right the first thing you say in the morning huzzah huzzah it is easter it's the it's 49th easter. day of easter bring <laughs> then to me flesh meat that i might eat of it with great great savor um <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but there is something like we we kind of know we have this instinct that we're supposed to feast but I'm, i wonder sometimes if we really know uh why mm. uh, and one of the things that john's gospel displays for us in a beautiful way is uh, the sense of what the passion really means and therefore what christ's resurrection really means for us and, and what i mean is this is we often tend to think as catholics that we are saved by what we are saved by Christ dying on the cross for our sins. Exactly. That's true. But that's not everything. And if that's our only vision of how am I saved, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. True, absolutely true. But if that's where it stops, we can end up uh, in kind of a, a, an amputated sort of faith. Um, and John certainly doesn't stop there. For John, there's so much more that, that saves us Uh, that's present in the resurrection. And when we understand that, we see how that's present throughout the entire life of Jesus Christ, uh, and then should also be uh, present in the lives of Christians. It's not just about the suffering of the Lord on the cross. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a bit in um, St. Thomas, uh, which is, you know, my scripture, but well, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, uh, <laughs> the, holy, the holy gospels of the Lord. Conrad. That's right. Yeah. No, my, there's a bit in St. Thomas about, about when he asked that question, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, but we, he asked that question, like, what is it that saves us? And it's, he, 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 he mentions that, yeah, okay. We think that it's this, the, the suffering that he undergoes, but he mentions that it's no, it's the, the primary thing is the abiding charity in his heart, uh, which, reestablishes that relationship of love with God that, that saves us and that that relationship is what is most key that we enter into a new way of being with God uh, through 
through his his passion, yes, but it's it it, it extend it extends further than that. Right. We're saved by by love, not by suffering. Mm-hmm. Suffering is the expression of love in that context, but we're saved primarily by love. And the way John gets at that is through all of these images. Right. John's gospel and his literature is so famous for for the images that he uses. Uh, and one of the biggest ones is describing Christ as light, um, as light shining in the darkness, as light that allows you to see, as light from above. Um, and this is one of the ways in which he'll talk about our salvation is that it comes through enlightenment, which is Christ sharing his his nature, his ability to see, the love that he has from the Father, sharing all those things with us. And that's what saves. In other places, uh, Christ himself We'll talk about salvation as coming about through union. I think, you know, for me, for me, for me, the most beautiful uh, part of the entire Holy Bible uh, is John chapter 14 through 17. Uh, I think the Last Supper discourses, especially chapter 17, which is the the, the last um, overflowing of Christ's heart in prayer to the Father before he goes to the crucifixion, has to be like just the most beautiful part of the entire Bible, because what Christ says there. Uh, is that the way in which he saves us is by taking us to the Father mm. and by letting us see the glory that the Father gave him before there was anything. That the thing that saves us is that he draws us to himself and takes him into the place that was already his home and makes it our home as well. Mm-hmm. And you hear him plead with the Father, you know, I ask that they might be with me where I am, that they might see your glory which you gave me. Um, you know he longs so much to take us into the presence of the father and to preserve us so that we're alive to be taken into the presence of the father and share that love that he has with the father. That is kind of the inner life of, of the Trinity. Uh, and that's what saves us is Christ's desire to bring us into his life. Um, and this is, it makes sense of the way uh, John describes the passion too, right? Yeah. Because John makes very clear to us that he's an eyewitness of the passion. You see this all the time that he he again and again will say, you know, the one who has seen these things is true. And we know that his testimony is reliable. Um, And yet when you look at Jesus and the passion of John, uh, he's very much uh, a figure of great power. Mm. Right. I I think, have you been to the garden of Gethsemane before? I have. Yes. Yeah. Have you been to that church there in Jerusalem? Yeah, it's it's tremendous. I don't remember if you remember the mosaics there. Um, no, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I should. They're, they're really quite wonderful. So uh, obviously they're mosaics of the Garden of Gethsemane, right, of that moment mm-hmm. in the scriptures. But they choose to follow John's account of it. Hmm. So instead of Christ, you know, sweating out blood on the rock of Gethsemane, um, which did happen. I'm not when, I, when we oppose gospel accounts, we're not opposing things like one was true and one was not. It's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. different things are remembered by different people, obviously. Um, but they choose to emphasize what John describes, which is Christ in power uh, saying to the people who come to arrest him, I am um, mm. saying, you know, when they ask, who are you looking for? He, he asked them, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth, he says, I am. And the scripture says, they just collapse to the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the moment he speaks, even the people who arrest him and eventually murder him just collapse, <laughs> right? That at any moment he can stop all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very clear throughout John's gospel, even as Christ is crucified, he's setting his affairs in order. He's giving commands. 
He's, you know, uh, governing from the cross, right? He's giving Mary to John and John to Mary. He's kind of, he's in control of himself throughout the entire process. Mm -hmm. In his conversations with Pilate, he makes clear that he's in charge uh, of the entire passion. And so when you read the passion in John's gospel, even before you get to the resurrection accounts, uh, you get a sense that it's not that Christ is just, you know, giving himself up to pain um, and just suffering away in meekness uh, because he has no other choice somehow uh, or because he's been, you know, he's been caught and he's just, uh, you know, suffering perforce. Uh, in John's gospel, we have a very clear sense that Christ is the master of the passion start to finish. And he and does. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's, that's the, um, I mean, the, the traditional, application or, or, or name for that part of John's gospel is the gospel of glory. And, and right. it's Christ right. says, now is the son of man glorified at the moment Judas goes to, to betray him. And that it's not just, um, yeah, I'm enduring this or something like that, but it's in this that I am glorified and that I glorify my father. You know, it's, it's a really beautiful way of looking at and thinking about the passion. Right. And then when, when he comes back to us after the resurrection, um, it's all in continuity. It's not that hit some kind of uh, totally wretched weakness that he that he's surrounded by during the passion is replaced by divine strength. It's that divine strength has been present the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mastery of all things and his will to victory over sin and death is constant. And when he returns, it's also in peace. Mm. Right? It's in John's gospel that the the greeting given to the apostles is peace be with you. Um, and you get a, a clearer sense from the way that Jesus talks to the disciples in John's gospel, giving them the authority to forgive sins, uh, speaking to Peter and, and just very calmly giving him his role. You have loved me, therefore you will feed my sheep. Um, that you get a sense that, uh, again, he's acting out of a place of, of divine peace with the goal of bringing us into that divine peace ourselves. Um, that it's, you know, so often when we talk about the resurrection, we have a hard time because we have this image of, uh, you know, in the West, we have, we have maybe a weakened image of the resurrection, right? We say, well, I guess Christ is alive. So I guess that means there's uh, hope <laughs> somehow, <laughs> maybe. We, when we, and when asked, I wonder if we can always uh, describe what the hope of the resurrection is. Mm. But if we read John, it's very clear. The hope of the resurrection is that Christ uh, lives as victor to make good on his promise of bringing us home. Uh, and he intends to set everything in place to make that possible for us. So that, that leads me to a, a, a more practical question, which is, okay, so you say we get Lent, right? What does that mean for us if we to really understand Easter? What does that mean for us for our practice uh, in in the Easter season? How do we yeah. how do we celebrate properly? How do we how do we understand this triumphant image of Christ who has conquered sin and death and 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 lives forever to intercede for us at the right hand of the Father? Like how do we understand that appropriately? Yeah, I mean, I think what it ends up uh, giving us right is is a different kind of hope. It's a different kind of hope that we're allowed to live out. Um, Whereas if our only image of salvation is the suffering of the passion, the sort of hope that we might have there um, 
is perhaps a little more passive. Mm. It's perhaps kind of a passive hope of, I, well, I can just, I can just endure these things. If I can just endure the, the life that I have and the world in which I live, that counts, right? Just like Christ, I can imitate his endurance to the end, um, which is certainly a part of hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Christian hope, which is anchored in heaven rather than on earth, and which is anchored in the glory of the risen Lord, who, you know, lives now to intercede for us at the right hand of the Father, where our lives are hid with him. um, That is a a very active hope. That's uh, a very joyful hope. That's a very powerful hope. So I think one of the biggest uh, things that we can do uh, to celebrate Easter well uh, is to make acts of hope, Mm -hmm. right? to make acts of hope every day during Easter to remember like my life is not just here. My life is already with Christ at God's right hand. You know, my life is already in heaven. If I, if I'm in friendship with God, I already live there in part. Um, and I, I can remember my home, not as something that is, you know, dangled in front of me as a possible reward. If I manage to get the right moral score by the end of my passion, <laughs> but as something that is already a part of my life, provided I am in friendship with God. Uh, so that's one thing is re- to really have like that devotion to Christ in glory, to like have an image of the glorified Christ and to remember like that is my life already right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I will go if only I remain faithful. Uh, so that would be one thing is that like devotion to Christ in glory. Um, but the other thing is also uh, maybe a little more practical. It's just mercy, right? Is that what is that divine? Uh, what does that divine peace allow us to do? What is that? strength and stability that comes from Christian hope allow us to do? Uh, Well, it allows us to to be more merciful with those around us, right? It allows us to be gentle. It allows us to be peaceable. And this is precisely what Christ does after the resurrection is he forgives sin and he makes possible the forgiveness of sin. Uh, So that might be a practice, uh, an Easter practice to parallel a Lenten practice would just be, you know, forgiving someone every day. Uh, and practicing that kind of mercy, practicing gentleness with difficult people, uh, practicing gentleness uh, with uh, with those in our own homes and our own households, and even perhaps with ourselves if we need to. Um, gentleness not as just kind of a, a way of being a little nicer, but gentleness as an expression uh, an expression of divine charity. So we can do mercy. We can do. Um... Uh, hope and uh, and then let's add some ice cream in there and I think that sounds like a good Easter to me. You you are you are um, a big fan of that there ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a pint ready for me at the end of the Easter vigil, so it's very uh, good. It's, very good. Yeah. Well, Father Rampino, thank you so much for joining us on Catholic Bites. If you'd like to listen to other great Catholic podcasts, you can find us at Catholic Bites podcast.com and you can also find us uh, at uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Catholic Bites is a production of Cast Catholic Media Uh, and uh, thank you Father Rampino again for coming and thank you everyone for listening. God bless you.